when you, uh, when you train for ministry, a lot of times you go to a seminary. That's kind of the next step after college. And so I actually met my wife in, um, in seminary. We were there first kind of, we met on the first day of registration and um, she knew a good thing when she saw it. And so, you know, things worked out. And um, we, uh, we met in, we met in June, started dating in August, got engaged in November, and married in next June. So it was something like that. We, we got, you know, it was pretty fast. Now Miriam is Swiss, and because she's Swiss, you have, um, I mean, she's a dual citizen, so she gets information about Swiss stuff, which is interesting to us. Well, we, we had been married maybe six months, a year, something like that. And in Dallas, they uh, had a new Swiss ambassador to the United States, and he was touring the country, and she got, uh, received an invitation to come and meet the new Swiss ambassador to the U.S. And because I was married to her, I received the invitation as well. And so, two very... Now, understand something. I, I know you're looking at me and you're thinking, wow, he's really sophisticated. And, and I know, I know, I know you think that. Uh, but back in the day, I, I have really gotten more sophisticated as I've grown older. And so I wasn't so much sophisticated. And we were invited to the home of the Bouvier Mullers in Dallas. Their house looked, let's see, something like that. It was huge. Now, seminary students, poor. The Bouvier Mullers, not poor. So we pull up, I pull up in my hoopty. Now, I had a car that was so bad that if a hitchhiker was hitchhiking and he saw us coming, he'd put his thumb down. It was that bad. I mean, he was like, he'd look away. Um, I drive up, they have valet parking. <laughs> it was awesome. And uh, I had the guy the key, and I said, make sure you don't put a scratch on it. And he said, how could you tell? Uh, so it was kind of that deal. We walked into the front of this. I mean, it was just this enormous house. and had a huge pool, just everything you'd think of at a mansion, multi-million dollar mansion in Dallas. And, and we go in, and um, we, uh, we, we're, we're dining on hors d'oeuvres and Perrier, and I'd never had Perrier before. It's bubbly water, and it's nasty. But anyway, uh, I had that, and, and we get in this receiving line for the new Swiss ambassador, and we're shaking hands, and again, I don't know anything about anything, and and so we're chatting, and he asked, you know, he said, he said, he kind of looked me up and down. He said, why are you here? Oh, uh, I think it was the question. And I said, well, I married a Swiss girl, and, you know, this is why I'm here. And he said, well, do you know any of the language? And I said, the only thing I know is gib mir which means give me a kiss. And he laughed, and, and that was the deal. And the only reason I got to go to this big party, I mean, this party was awesome. And when you go into the entryway, there were, there were medieval coats of armor. That was what this dude collected. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's nobody in Kentucky collecting coats of armor. I'm pretty sure that's true. I'd never seen anything like it. There's coats of armor around the wall. And so uh, I didn't get to go because I had done anything to earn it. Uh, I certainly wouldn't have been invited other than I knew somebody who got invited. And I got to go because of my wife. Today we're going to talk about a party that people are invited to. And sometimes it's not, <laughs> kind of like me, the typical guy that's going to go to that sort of party. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 14. You can turn it on your phone or whatever. And, and we'll, I'm going to read this story 
And then we're going to unpack the story because oftentimes Jesus would tell a story to illustrate a point. He kind of makes the point with a story. But unless you understand the social context, like what's going on in, the, in that society, you might not get all the nuance of the story. So let's read the story and then we'll talk about it. And hopefully, I mean, I want you to learn something. I want you to be motivated, but there, there'll be some interesting things here. Uh, Luke 14, we're going, to be, we're going to begin in verse 15. Uh, when one of those at the table was with... And, okay, so Jesus is at a party. And there's a guy at, a ta- at the table with him. Uh, and he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, A certain man... <laughs> so th- this guy's expecting a certain response. I'll tell you what it is in just a few minutes. And Jesus didn't give him the response... He was expecting. And so Jesus sort of breaks into this story. It's as if Jesus says, okay, okay, okay. This is a teachable moment I'm going to teach. So Jesus begins and he replies, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done But there's still room. So he goes out and does it, comes back. Hey, we're still not full. Then the master told his servant, Go out into the roads and country lanes and make them come in. Compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of these who were invited get to taste of my banquet. All right, so this this fellow is at the table with Jesus. And and this is... um, these are the upper crust sort of people in religious society in Jesus' day. Now, the cool thing about Jesus is it seems that he was as comfortable with really sophisticated people, with really higher up people, as he was with poor people, with prostitutes, and with people who are of ill repute. Jesus seemed to be able to hang with anybody. So he's at this party with these really, really rich people, and these really, really important people. These people who found themselves, they were kind of self-righteous. They thought they were better than other folks. They, 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 were, they had a, like a superiority complex. And, and he talks about the kingdom, the feast at the kingdom of God. Now what you need to understand is, in the Old Testament, the idea of a banquet or a feast was often used as a metaphor for the coming kingdom of God. And there was this idea around this. All the Jewish people had a notion around what the kingdom of God would look like. You see it all throughout the Old Testament. An example is Isaiah. In Isaiah 25, it says, The Lord Almighty will spread a wonderful feast for everyone around the world. It will be a delicious feast of good food, with clear, well-aged wine and choice beef. Now, note this. This is huge. This is not a low-fat This is not high-fiber, salt-free, sugar-free, tofu. There's none of that at this party. This is a party. This is a T-bone steak, black-eyed peas. This is a uh, 
chicken fried. I mean, this is everything you love. This is a feast. Ain't nobody worried about Weight Watchers at this feast. That's the point. Isaiah's making the point. Listen, this is, this is the good stuff, right? Well-aged wine, choice beef. Can I get a witness? I mean, that's good stuff. In that day, he will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all their tears. And, and this is the idea that the Jewish people, look, at this party, he did not get the decorations at Oriental Trading Company. I mean, this was a real big deal party. Okay, it's a big deal. And the notion around this was, wow, God has chosen us, the Jewish people, for this party. Now, look at something here. The Lord Almighty will spread a wonderful feast for who? Everyone around the world. <laughs> okay. It's not as if God ever said, you're the only ones that are going to get in. In fact, he said to Abraham, I will bless you so you can be a blessing to all the earth. I'm, I'm picking you to be my representative to everybody else. That's the whole notion around it. Now, because they were selected, sometimes they felt exclusive. They felt better than. And so Jesus is addressing this in his story. The question, who is invited to the party? Well, it's to everybody. It's not limited. And in Jesus' day, there had been this shift that people other than very religious Jewish people had no chance of getting into the party. Only very religious, I keep all my religious rules, Jewish people, this was the notion, are going to get in. Everybody else not going to get in. So, most of us, I mean, I, I don't know, I'm not Jewish, we would be considered, if you're not Jewish or Gentile, most, most of us are probably Gentiles in this room. We had no chance, according to the people of that day. And Jesus addresses this. And so this guy, he sort of offhandedly says, blessed is the one who will eat the feast of the kingdom of God. He's, this guy's talking to a rabbi. Now, the the typical response should have been, may we ourselves be counted among those who are worthy. Yeah. It's very pompous, very pious. Oh, yes, may we can only hope, wink, wink, that we are going to be found worthy. The, the, the idea is, we're in, man. We're in, because we're Jewish. We are in. Oh, may we be found worthy. <laughs> uh. It's like Thurston Howell the Third saying it. I mean, that's kind of how it feels, right? Uh, if you don't know that reference, <laughs> you should, I can't help you. Uh, I really can't help you. So this guy makes this statement. Blessed is the one. And what he's saying is, isn't it great that we get to go to the kingdom of heaven? Isn't it great that we've been chosen, not like, you know, the other people. Isn't it awesome that we are in, even though there may be other people that are out? And we really don't care. And so Jesus finds this incredible teachable moment to sort of break down and break out or teach. He's here to teach. And so he tells this story. We're going to talk about this story. So some things you need to understand about this story. First, feast planning in that era, much like today, included a, a double invitation. 
So, um, if you're going to have a wedding, what do you do? You send out invitations, right? That's how it works. And so, months ahead of time, you'll send out a a formal invitation. Uh, The family of, you know, Billy Bob and the family of Betty Bob, they invite you to their, you know, their sons and daughters wedding and it's going to be here and this is the time and date and it's going to be and you then are expected if you're going to attend that you will mark your calendar this is I'm going to be at this it's the 17th of June and I don't want to miss that I'm going to circle that on my calendar I'm going to make certain I don't plan something else for that day and the first thing you do uh, if it's in the fall and you're a Clemson or a, a South Carolina fan you look to see if there's a football game that, that's the first thing you do and you're hoping these people weren't stupid enough to plan a wedding when there's a football game because that's, that's a breach of etiquette. But anyway, you, you check it out. You make sure there's nothing else going on. Now, in first century time, when Jesus lived, this would have been um, a certain man was preparing a great banquet, invited many guests, and what he needed to know was who's coming. Because this is where we lose some of this, uh, the importance of this story. You, you and I, most of us, if not all of us, we have food at home. We, we have food enough. If, if the hurricane would have hit us, we would have food for a while. You know, I, we have a pantry. We got some water. We can hang out for a while. In, in the first century, many, 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 most people lived sort of a, a sustenance living. They, they were kind of hand to mouth. And so to be invited to a banquet where there was an abundance of food was a remarkable invitation. You and I look at going to weddings if we'd be really honest sometimes as um, an annoyance, I have to go. In these days, if you were invited to a banquet, what that meant was I'm going to have an opportunity to eat my fill maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time. This was super cool to be invited to a party. And so you would RSVP. Now, from the host's perspective, you didn't want to waste food. They didn't waste food. Nobody threw food away. So you didn't want to over-prepare. You wanted to make sure you had the right number of folks. And if you committed to coming, the expectation was you would come. There was no backing out. You didn't say, yes, I'm going to show up and then not show up. That's incredibly rude. You did not do that. And so the expectation was, I'm going to send out the invitation. I need, the inf- I need you to RSVP so I'll know how much... To prepare. The second thing you need to know. When all the preparations were finalized, the guests would be summoned. So, I'm the host. Now, they didn't say show up at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock. They weren't clocks. So what they would do, everybody understood this. We would make preparations. We'd start in the morning. And when the preparations were finalized, then I w- I'm going to send out my servant to get you. So, you've already, I've already invited you. You've already said you're coming. So it's, it's, it's game day. It's party day. I'm going to get it all ready. And when it's all ready, I'm going to go get you. And you're going to come and you're going to have a party with me. That's kind of how it worked. So you have to understand. Uh, at the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. And, and this, for the Jewish people, was the question that really kind of burns into their conscience when are we going to get this party started? Because a long time ago with Abraham, now again, Jesus is a thousands of years later. When, when God said to Abraham, 
you're going to be, you know, the, the initiator of, a, of a, the kingdom of God. And everybody's like, well, when is it going to happen? We read the Isaiah text, and it's going to be awesome. And we're waiting, and we don't know when it's going to happen. And the big question is, hey, when's this party going to get started? Because good grief, we've been waiting a long time. We've been waiting for generations. It's about time for this thing to kick off. And there was this wonder around, good grief, this is taking forever. I mean, God, he promised this a long time ago, this is taking forever. So Jesus shows up, this obscure rabbi from a tiny, teeny little town called Nazareth shows up. And one day he walks into his synagogue and he, he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up on the Sabbath day. And he went to the synagogue and as was his custom, he stood up to read because he's a rabbi, he got to read. And, and And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found a place where it's written. Again, listen to what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me. This was written, you know, 2,000 years before Jesus ever showed up. He proclaimed to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And every eye is fixed on this young 30-something-year-old rabbi who's now reading this text from Isaiah, which is a, a prophecy of the party. The guy that's going to initiate the party is going to do this stuff. This is part of the party. And then he rolls up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Can you? This is just dripping with, with emotion here. Everybody's excited about that text. and, the, and he, I mean, I kind of look at it like he, he rolled it up slow. And he handed it back slow. And he sat down slow. And everybody's watching. And there's kind of this drama playing out. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Let me give you a translation. I'm the one you've been waiting for, Jesus said. The party is here. It has started. The party is starting. And this claim by Christ that he was the initiator of the party, it divided people. There were folks who believed it. There were folks who didn't. And Jesus makes this claim. Now, as I said earlier, let's go back to our story. To RSVP and then not show up was... It was... Unless you became gravely ill, you simply did not do this. It was such a breach of etiquette that it is remarkable. When Jesus told this story and he starts making these excuses, everybody at the table would have gone, because oh! I mean, we read it and it's like, okay, well, they got something else to do. No, 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 no. You didn't have something else to do. And these excuses are so lame. The first said, I just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. How many of us would buy a house without ever looking at it? How many of us would buy... It would be like you inviting me over and I'm going to say, you know, I can't come because I, I, I just bought a house and I need to go see what neighborhood it's in. In fact, there was a saying in, in, um, in Jewish life. No one buys a field in the Middle East without knowing it like the palm of his hands. Ladies, this would be like having a prom date 
call you on the day of prom in the afternoon saying, I can't come. My sock drawer needs to be rearranged. That's the, that's the feeling here. Uh, I, I've been detained. I have to mow the yard. Uh, I've been detained. i got a hangnail. I can't come to the prom because there's a good football game on. You know, it's, it's just a crazy lame excuse. And it doesn't get better. The next guy, uh, I just bought five yoke of oxen. Understand something. A yoke of oxen was extremely expensive. This guy bought five. This would be like saying, I just bought five trucks and I need to go see if they have engines in them. I need to see if they'll start. I just paid top dollar for something I've never seen and I need to go see. Look, if I am a farmer and I need a yoke of oxen to do my job, I'm not buying a yoke of oxen unless I know they can work together. A yoke of oxen simply means two oxen that are tied together with a yoke and they have to be able to pull together or they're useless. And, and it, it, it just doesn't always happen. Sometimes you can two animals together that didn't pull together. They're useless. To, to say I have just bought five, but I didn't really try them out first, it's, it's really, it's ridiculous. I mean, everybody in the table, everybody knows these are ridiculous excuses. And then there's another one. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Like you didn't know you were going to get married? Like that snuck up on you? Like you... One day, just say, oh, I'm going to get married. I'm, I can't go to the party. It literally says, I married a woman. I cannot come. Now, every man in here understands if she said you can't come, you can't come. I get that. I get that. But that's not what he's saying here. The point is, these are not legitimate excuses. Their ambition was to stop the party. What they were saying is, you ain't having a party without us. There's no party if we don't show up. There's no party. I know you said you're going to have a party. You're not going to have a party because we're not coming. And, and, and Jesus is saying, see, these people were banking on their self-righteousness. Jesus was saying, hey, everybody's welcome. It's like, no, 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 no. We're not going to play that. If we're not in, if we're the Jewish people, if we aren't in, there ain't going to be no party. So, they start talking about him. This man welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. He hangs out with the riffraff. We, we can't believe what this guy is saying. So Jesus in this story is saying, listen, there was an invitation, and it went out a couple thousand years ago to the Jewish people. Not an exclusive invitation. In our country right now, there are people who are exclusivists, are separatists. They're saying, we're chosen, we're better than. Understand something, ain't new, there's nothing new about that kind of thought. There's a wickedness in, in a human soul that is hard to explain, but it's there. It's called the sin nature. And there are people today, just like there were people then, who were saying... If it's not my group, then it's not a group. God only loves my group. God's for my particular group. And Jesus comes along and he says, Repent, for the kingdom is near. Hey, 
This thing's about to kick off. And anybody who repents can get in. It's not about being self-righteous. It's not about being Jewish. It's not about being a certain color. Anybody who repents, there's one ticket. Repentance. You turn from your sin. You turn to Jesus. You get in. It's, it's open for everybody. Now, a fourth thing to understand. These people say, I'm not coming. Uh, we're, I'm, we're just not coming. We are going to make the lamest excuses in the history of excuses. We're going we're to act as if we got other stuff to do. We're going to beg off. In fact, the guy that got married didn't even, didn't even apologize. I, I married a woman. I'm not coming. <laughs> not I'm sorry about it or anything. The other two at least had the decency to act like they were concerned. We're, we're not coming. So, now... The host has a couple of options here. He's prepared the banquet. That would have, been, it would, have, uh, would have cost, uh, it would have been extremely expensive. To prepare food for people who don't show up, it, you, you, could just, you could just throw up your hands and say, well, okay. And, and what the Jewish people were saying is, there's no party without us. Now here's the hinge of the story, the next verse. The servant came back and responded to his master. Hey man, these folks aren't coming. So then the owner of the house became angry. Because, by golly, he's paid for a banquet. There are seats at the banquet table. And he's going to make sure they get filled. Somebody is coming to the banquet. So he got, he got a little ticked. He got a little angry. The people, the A-listers decided not to come. He didn't throw up his hands. He didn't get less friendly with people who needed to know him. Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. You can translate that. These are beggars. Because these people, they, they would never be invited to this party. Look. In Middle Eastern society, if, if you were middle class, you invited middle class to your party. If you were upper class, you invited upper class to your party. You, you always invited people in the same sort of classification because they were, it was kind of, I'm going to invite you and then you can invite me and I'll scratch your back and you'll scratch mine. It, that's what it was like. This was somebody in the upper class inviting somebody who's a beggar. That morning, they were digging in the dumpster for their meal. And now they're invited to a feast. And can you not imagine? This is just grace. This is, you can never pay me back. And you still get invited to the party. I am so far above you that you're never going to be able to do anything for me. And you're still invited to the party. And people who woke up eating day-old bagels sat down that evening and ate caviar off of fine china. And this story oh, starts to build momentum. But that's not all of the story. See, there's this high sense of urgency. This, this party is going to be 
filled. It's urgent. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. What are we going to do? Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Have you, have you ever had just a real sense of urgency? I mean, just real urgent. Uh, a couple years ago, I lived, we lived close to our church, and um, there, our neighbor two doors down had a chain link fence, and they had a dog who was possessed by Satan. Uh, he was a devil dog. He was big. He looked like he wanted to kill you. The only thing between him and killing you was a chain link fence. Every time you'd walk by, he would bark at you like he was going to take you down, rip your neck off. I mean, he was horrible. He was a horrible dog. So one Sunday morning, I wake up, and I look out the window, and the gate door is open, and Cujo is running around the church parking lot where little old ladies are about to show up. Can you imagine Cujo getting a hold of some little old ladies, their little blue heads? I mean, you know, it was going to be bad. It's going to be ugly. So I'm thinking to myself, all right, what am I going to do? Because I can't have this devil dog out running around. So how, I could have called the police, but, you know, that wasn't, who knows how efficient that's going to be. And you don't know how quickly they're going to come. And I thought, you know, the neighborly thing to do, I'll go over to the door of the house. I'll knock on the door and I'll, I'll um, uh, alert the owner that his devil dog is loose. So I walk over, two doors down, I walk in, I, I tap lightly, because it's Sunday morning, and it's easy. And, and so uh, uh, I'm tapping kind of light, I'm not getting anything. About that time I look around, I, I kind of, I notice something out of the, my peripheral. The devil dog has noticed somebody is in his yard. There's an intruder, and his name was me. I mean, that was, it was that, it was that feel. He is bounding toward his yard. If you've ever watched an animal show where like the mountain lion is about to leap on the deer, this is how he was coming at me. Now, I wasn't sharp enough to close the gate when I came in. So I'm on the front porch of this dog's house. I can see the drill. I can see fangs. All I saw were fangs. He was going to make, he was going to make an example of me. I could see it. Now, all of a sudden, the um, intensity of my knocking changed. I went from to, I mean, I'm thankful it was plexiglass because I am banging like I'm about to die. I mean, I'm a, and I'm about to die, that's why. I am banging on this door. Now, the dog gets up on the porch. I got a little can of mace. I'm spraying that dog like he is. I'm spraying the life out of that dog. And the owner opens the door. That, that's an awesome feel right there. Because you're spraying this, his dog on his porch. And he's in his drawers. I mean, it was, it was. But he was cool. It was all good. I mean, it was good. He didn't, like, he didn't hurt me and the dog didn't get me. But when, when he says... Go into the road. I mean, he, this is urgent. He, he's not sort of thinking about this. Well, maybe we could. No. He, he, is, he is so eager 
for there to be every chair filled. That, that he is, hey man, go outside our community. It's not just us now. In fact, go to the roads and the country lanes. And he says compel them to come in. You have to understand something. To, if you're a lower class person and you are invited to an upper class party, you weren't expected to attend. Sometimes a very a nice nobleman might invite you and you understood the etiquette was, thank you for the invitation, but I can't come. I wouldn't fit in at that party. I, I'm, I am so delighted to be invited. In fact, if you'll give me a copy of the invitation, I'd like to frame it. I could show my friends I was at least invited. But there was no expectation that you were going to come. So what the master is saying is, once they give you the initial, I can't come, you say, no, 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 really seriously. Really. Really. You don't have, there's no payback. We understand. We, the master understands you can't pay him back. And he really wants you to come. I mean, he really, it, it, this is a, this is genuine. This is genuine. Now, can you imagine? You, you're, you were in the first wave of beggars who came in. And you're sitting there politely waiting for all the chairs to be filled. Do you have a rooting interest in the servants going and getting other people? Oh, shoot, yeah. Because you can't eat until everybody's at the table. So you got a rooting interest for this. Have you ever been really hungry? I mean, really hungry? I, I heard this story. This is from um, Knight Rider News Service, so evidently it's true. L let me tell you about this. The U.S. Interior started um, labeling some of their migratory birds, and they would put a little tag on their leg, and it would say, it said, Washington Biological Survey. They abbreviated. They, 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 had, they had to change the tag because they received this letter. Dear sirs, while camping last week, I shot one of your birds. I think it was a crow. I followed the cooking instruction on the leg tag. And I want to tell you, it was horrible. So they changed it to Fish and Wildlife Service. Anyway, the, the people who are already in the banquet, at the banquet table, are rooting, cheering for all the tables, all the chairs to be filled. So that's why we have chairs on the stage today. Who do you know that needs to know about Jesus? Because we exist and we move and we do stuff and, and we go and we do and, and we forget that God wants his banquet table filled. We, we just lose sight of what we're in. Well, we're in isn't enough because we're the servants in the story and we have the opportunity to say, hey, the Lord wants his table filled. And so, who do you know at work? Like this office chair, this represents your work. Is there anybody there? One of the greatest ways to engage in a conversation around spiritual stuff is you just say, hey, where do you guys go to church? You're not implying they don't go. In fact, you're implying they do go. Where do you guys go to church? Where do you go? If they go someplace, find out about it a little bit. If they don't go, you say, hey, you know what? We, we go to freedom and, and we could meet you there and we could give you a ride if you need and we'll take you to lunch and Who do you know? This, 
This represents, maybe it could represent mothers with little kids who have to rock their babies. They're a little worn out. They might need some relief. And you can say, we have child care, and you can have a whole hour free. And, and that might be enough. You know, uh, We have extra special parking just for you. This might represent some older folks who need a rocking chair in the, the arms to push themselves up off the chair. And they're needful. And this, this is a sports chair. And I can't tell you how many of these I've sat in in my life. And this kind of represents every time you're around athletics and you go to your kids' ball games or your grandkids' ball games. And all those, all those kids have parents and have grandparents. Because the chair on the far end represents, it's our chair. These are our chairs. Represent us. It represents this banquet that Jesus was talking about. And, and he said, compel them to come in. Can't force people. But you can sure let them know they're welcome. Can't force people. But you can sure let them know that you'll sit with them and help them know where to go and and what to do, and we'll meet you outside, or we'll come pick you up. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. You compel them. You just keep asking. You keep befriending people. Because our master, the host of the banquet, wants us to fill the seats at the banquet table. And I talked about it would have been at great expense for a host to pay for a banquet. It was at great expense for the host to give up his son so the banquet table could be filled. I mean, it's the ultimate price. It's worth our effort to help people know about the banquet. about the kingdom of God, about what Jesus has done for them and what Jesus can do through them and to them. Father, it's been an honor today to talk about your word and we love the way Jesus tells stories because they are so incredibly impactful. We're thankful that you've given us the responsibility and the challenge to help compel people to come in. Help us to love people, help us to be patient with people, help us to serve people. Help us to tell people about Jesus. We pray it in his name. Amen.